And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello. Welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Mauk, a partner and attorney at the law firm of Mauk and Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys that focus on serving the body of Messiah with its legal needs. To learn more about us, go to MaukBaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Or call us at 312-726-1243. Are you concerned about the decline of morality and regard for life in Illinois? Well, today, stay tuned because we have a special treat. We're speaking with Lori Higgins, who's been cultural affairs writer for the Illinois Family Institute since 2008. I consider Lori an Illinois version of Charles Krauthammer and Russ Limbaugh. She's sort of a cross between the two. Very intellectual, fiery, and a lot of fun to read. And listen to. Lori's articles have exposed major flaws in liberal ideology and has provided much needed insight into the LGBT and abortion issues. Illinois Family Institute works to educate citizens and advance public policy initiatives consistent with the Bible. Lori, welcome to our show. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, To introduce you a little further, I'm going to read what you've written about Illinois Governor Pritzker all in for taxpayer funding of abortion and Planned Parenthood. They'll get a flavor from that. I think it's a a very well-written article, and it can be found on the Illinois Family Institute website. Here goes. Illinois' newly installed governor, billionaire J.B. Pritzker, looked at the mess that decades of quote-unquote progressive rule has made of Illinois and had an epiphany. Oh, my God, the problem here in Illinois is that it's not progressive enough. That set him on a quest to out-progressive every progressive in the State of the Union, while at least regarding feticide. At a press conference pregnant with symbolism held at Chicago's Planned Parenthood office, Pritzker issued this proclamation. On the anniversary of Roe versus Wade, I'm proud to declare under my administration, the state of Illinois will be the most progressive state in the nation when it comes to guaranteeing the right to choose for every single woman. And today I'm proud to sign an executive order that will further protect and expand the right to choose in Illinois. Uh, end, end of quote. Someone just arriving from Mars may wonder about the odd construction of those sentences. They might ask, right to choose what? A translator would then explain that Pritzker was using a script written by the denizens of Upside Down. For those who are familiar with the Upside Down, it is, quote, a dimension that is a dark reflection or echo of our world. It's a place of decay and death, a plane out of phase, a place of monsters. It is right next to you, and you don't even see it. 
These denizens are the monsters of Planned Parenthood, and the choice they and Pritzker avoid identifying is the choice to have one's offspring offed. Well, Laurie, uh, powerful stuff. Where do we stand in Illinois regarding abortion? Well, there's a lot to say about that, and none of it good. Most people know that HB 40 was passed, signed into law by Rauner, which mandates taxpayer funding of abortion through Medicaid and through state employee insurance. So that was shocking, actually, across the nation when he did that, to have a Republican governor do that. We have also, there's a couple of bills pending now in the new, uh, now that Springfield is back in session, one is a, a repeal of the parental notice bill. So we have had a law that took a long time to even get it in effect. And now they're trying to repeal it. It doesn't require parental permission. It requires parental notification for minors to get an abortion. They want to repeal that. And, and, I, and I might add that although it took about 15, 18 years of litigation to have that that law enforced, eventually a unanimous Supreme Court Illinois Supreme Court, four Democrats and three Republicans approved the law as it stands because they said young women need counsel. Right. They don't have life experience. They need people to be a sounding board and advise them what's best for their life and for their child's life. And now that they're going to try and reverse that. Repeal that. Right. Intrude further into family life. Leave girls without sound counsel from the people who love them most and taking a serious health risk too. Yeah. And and it's often their boyfriends who are dragging them. Sometimes a 25 year old boyfriend dragging them to abortion clinic and they're, they're in love or they, they feel they, they don't want to disappoint their boyfriend. And so they're coerced. Right. So it's not really a free choice. So the left likes to use the word choice a lot because it has connotations that are favorable. But I should mention at least the uh, Reproductive Health Act, which is sponsored by Kelly Cassidy. And this would, if this passes, it will repeal the ban on partial birth abortion. It will repeal what's called the Abortion Performance Refusal Act, which protects hospitals, doctors, and nurses from being forced to assist in or provide abortions. Now, we still do have the um, Health Care Protection Act. And then the last thing it would do is it would require private insurers to provide abortions coverage. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Mauck, partner of the law firm of Mauck & Baker. If you missed part of this episode or want to hear previous Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit MaukBaker.com, M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. You can also subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Twitter with legal updates. Uh, Today we're speaking with Lori Higgins of the Illinois Family Institute about abortion in Illinois. And and Lori... uh, Governor Pritzker vowed to make Illinois the most quote-unquote progressive state uh, regarding abortion. And you just mentioned before the break a couple of laws or or, uh, proposed laws that are pending in Illinois that would devastate the family and devastate young women and take away their rights to counsel and, of course, lead the way to even more killing of unborn children. But uh, Virginia and New York have enacted laws that allow partial birth abortion and even post-birth murder of children uh, by simply not 
taking care of them, letting them die after they're born alive. And so Pritzker's heading in that direction, and he wants to outdo them. Is that a fair uh, interpretation of his boast? I think absolutely it is. Already in Illinois, girls can get, women can get abortions up through the whole nine months of pregnancy. They justify it through the health exception, and and health is defined so broadly and so ambiguously. It's really for any reason. It can be emotional reasons, physical reasons. It can be familial reasons, financial reasons. So already you can get abortions up until birth. There are seven or eight states that allow abortion through the whole nine months for no reason. So Vermont, Oregon, Hawaii, there's, I forget, it's seven or eight. But we are headed to infanticide. We know, those of us who are reading this, we know Peter Singer, the bioethicist from Princeton University, many years ago said we should have a window of opportunity after birth, say a month, to make sure that the baby is perfect, has perfect health, and then in which we can decide whether to allow that baby to live. But he was preceded by a philosopher named Michael Tooley, who wrote in 1972, he wrote, an organism possesses a serious right to life only if it possesses the concept of a self as a continuing subject of experiences. And he proposed allowing a week after birth to... uh, to yeah, kill a baby. And the authority for these are just their own minds. Right. They're not they're not looking to God or creation or biology for well, that matter. Harry, Harry Blackman said this in Roe versus Wade. He said, We don't know when life begins, but if we did know it would change everything. Now, we do know now, don't we, when life begins and when does it begin? Well, and so what they're doing with that, because bio, we know the biology, we know the biology of human conception, we know when well, new life Well, tell us what it is. Well, Not I mean, a, a new human with unique DNA is present at conception. Everything, there, all the... All that changes is development. And so the left is now saying it's not, it's not when life begins, it's when personhood is established. Well, uh, uh, good. That's a, uh, I'm glad to, that we're nailing him on that because it's changing the definition. It's changing what Harry Blackman had said. But uh, biological life begins when the sperm and the egg join together. And at that moment, the DNA is created, uh, determining the gender hair color and all sorts of things about the child. It's a living child. Right. And it's unique and it's distinct. At no point in the gestational process was my son me. So this idea that it's only what they're doing to their own bodies, they keep saying it, it's so patently false. They're not doing anything to their bodies. They're doing something to the body of another human. Well, do you think that there'll be some lawyers that might step up and try to represent the unborn children who've been without representation. But when their mothers are going to abort them, I don't think the parent's actually the person who's best able to argue on behalf of the child's interest. Right. Well, I mean, I would like to see attorneys step forward in all sorts of areas and be more prominent. I think we need people to step out of their kind of ivory-esque towers and be politically engaged. We need people who understand the Constitution, understand the separation of church and and state. we, we We need funding and we need more honest judges. Uh, Coming up, we'll talk further with cultural affairs writer Lori Higgins of the Illinois Family Institute about issues facing Illinois, uh, particularly the transsexual assault on our morality. I'm John Mauck, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio.
Hello, I'm David Smith, Executive Director of the Illinois Family Institute, an independent nonprofit ministry dedicated to boldly bringing a biblical perspective to public policy. Here at IFI, our mission is to support traditional family values, defend biblical truths, and uphold Christian morals. We consider Mauk and Baker our allies in this mission, and we are proud to support them in their legal endeavors. Mauk and Baker is a law firm that upholds Christian beliefs, putting God first. If you ever find your religious liberty and rights as a person of faith under attack, you can trust the attorneys of Malkin Baker to fight for you. Malkin Baker has a team of Christian lawyers who seek to achieve justice and advance the gospel through their work. If you have a legal need or question and would like the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact Malkin Baker at 312-726-1243 or visit their website at maukbaker.com. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Mauk, an attorney at Mauk and Baker, a law firm based in Chicago which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals in their legal needs. If you missed the first part of the show and want to listen online, you can go to maukbaker.com forward slash radio. Uh, today we're speaking with Lori Higgins, cultural affairs writer for the Illinois Family Institute. Uh, last segment, Lori, we talked about the abortion situation in Illinois, but let's change the subject and talk about transsexual, the LGBT, that's lesbian, gay, bi, and transsexual movement. What is a transsexual? Well, I hate to correct you, but it's the term you probably want us to talk about is transgender, and that's a distinction that they make. So okay. transsexual would refer specifically to people who've had surgery to create the facsimile of a body of the opposite person of the opposite sex. So transgender is their term to refer to having an identity, a sexual identity, different from their own physical embodiment. So if someone is biologically male, but I will say pretends to be, masquerades as, impersonates someone of the opposite sex, they're called transgender or a man who's doing that is a trans woman and a female does that as a trans man. Well, uh, Martina Navratilova, the great uh, tennis star, I think she won uh, Wimbledon seven times, came out as a gay, but the premier female athlete and spokesman for feminism and left-wing causes uh, uh, bemoaned and condemned men who were masquerading as women and getting into women's sports and then dominating because they're stronger and saying, well, just because they identify as a woman doesn't mean that their bodies are female. Uh, they've got a muscle build and, and uh, uh, speed and, and strength that women don't naturally have, and it's just going to totally wreck women's sports. Uh, what do you think of that comment? Well, it's absolutely true. I, I mean, women fought very hard to have equal opportunities in athletics through Title IX, and now it's being destroyed by the trans community. So, and even if they, you know, they have some testing about hormone levels and things like that, but if, if someone has developed as a male, it's lung capacity, muscle mass, all the things that you were talking about. So it's, it's unfair. It's patently unfair. And these, and these men, quote unquote, uh, don't have to have a sex change operation. They just say, I'm a woman, and they keep their penis, right? They, yes. Now, they do, for in athletics, 
they have to have some hormonal testing and they can't have certain male hormones at a certain level, but all the other developmental things. And, and that's a really important point because, and this is not just in sports, it's in everything. The trans community does not believe that they need to have a diagnosis of gender dysphoria, which is distress over this misperceived mismatch between your body. They don't believe that they need to cross-dress. They don't need to have surgery. They don't need to take testosterone. They just need to claim that they identify as the sex they are not. I want to make clear when I say this, I do not believe that men who have had surgery, so they're, you know, breast implants and been castrated, that they are entitled to be in women's private spaces. I've heard some conservatives say, well, as long as the safety risk is removed because men have been castrated, they can be in private spaces. But that ignores a more foundational issue, which is that sex differences are the source of desire for privacy and feelings of modesty. It is not just a physical safety issue about men being in women's spaces. So we have to bear that in mind. But this is a sexual revolution like nothing we have ever seen. We are heading toward a place where there will be a public eradication of all public recognition of sex differences everywhere for everyone. And, and I'll make this prediction because I was asked to give an opinion, a legal opinion on this uh, for legislation uh, recently. Our prisons, our women's prisons, are going to be inundated with men who decide they're women because they don't like uh, being imprisoned with a bunch of men and not having the same sexual outlets that they would have. And uh, suddenly they'll find out that they are women who like to have sex with other women as a man has sex with a woman. In other words, they're all going to declare uh, their femaleness so that uh, they'll have to be moved to a female prison and that's going to be that's going to be huge it won't happen all at once but that's that's one of the types of results from uh, eliminating the distinction between man and woman well yes and that's already happened and we have had cases where men have been transferred to women's prisons and then assaulted women and but you you never hear women who are impersonating men being asked to be transferred to male prisons. So it, it's going to go in one direction. And but there's also I don't, people will dismiss that because it doesn't affect them. We are going to get to a place where that we will have only co-ed private private spaces. There will be co-ed restrooms, locker rooms everywhere. There will be assignments in nursing homes that will be co-ed. Semi-private hospital rooms will be co-ed. The trans community doesn't allow us to say that there, that biological differences matter. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Malk of Malk and Baker, and we're talking with Lori Higgins, cultural affairs writer for the Illinois Family Institute, about the transsexual, transgender, and other uh, sexual identity assaults on our society. If you missed part of this episode or want to hear previous Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit MalkBaker.com, M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Uh, Lori, you said this is going to affect just about every area of our life. Well, so I wanted to, before the break, we were talking and I was saying that now the trans community says, if you care about the genitalia of your par sexual partner, you are transphobic. So... If because it, everything is now becoming biologically and anatomically confusing. But for example, 
about implications. What do you do with a woman who has now identifies as a man? She chooses not to have top surgery. In other words, she has her breasts. She has her new spanking new birth certificate and driver's license. That So the law has to identify her as a man. So can she go to the park or the beach and play topless Frisbee like other actual men, what are our public decency laws going to do about that? In California, they passed a law that said nursing home room assignments will be made according to gender identity. So if your grandma has been in a nursing home room for five years and now she's assigned a new roommate and it's a biological man, man who pretends to be a woman, she has to be the one that moves out of the room. He cannot. You cannot. She can request a room change, but he must be placed in a room According, in accordance with his gender identity, not his sex. Well, you're forecasting a lot of things that could happen. Uh, often people say, well, I'll deal with it down the road when it happens. But I see you're shaking your head. Uh, we have to nip this in the bud. What can people do who want to get involved? Well, there's so much that people can do. You can donate. You can donate to IFI so we can do work. You can donate to Illinois Family Institute right. and, and go to that, that website. Right, okay. exactly. Go ahead. You need to contact lawmakers when you see these bills come down the pike. We think that dramatic cultural change happens through kind of seismic events, and that's not how it changes. It happens incrementally through the things that we ignore or we dismiss. We rationalize inaction out of our own cowardice. And so we, de we need to take action now about this. You can do stuff in your public schools if you have children there. That's, that's often what we do is uh, let our rights get stolen and the gospel get stolen a little bit at a time. And one of the things we need to pray for is ourselves, that we will be more aware. Aware. And also, we, a huge problem is we have to be willing to be persecuted for Christ in his kingdom. We have to be willing to say, to have the world hate us. We're told that the world is going to hate us. And we talk to people and they'll say, someone is going to be mad at me if I say that. The world is going to be mad at you when you take on these issues. And I would say, we're not, our rights aren't being stolen. We're forfeiting them through our own cowardice and acquiescence. Well, then one of the prayers... Uh that we would recommend is, Lord, I'm going to die to myself. Yes. I'm, I, I'm dead to what people think about me, except you, Jesus. Right, exactly. I want here, your approval, I want your love, and I want your boldness. If we look at the life of Jesus, he was constantly vilified. Right. Even his own disciples left him, many of them, at, at one point. And he turned to the few remaining. He said, are you going to leave me? And they said, where can we go? You have the words of eternal life. So we, if we focus on the Lord, right. we will get that strength, and we also have to pray for it. Go and, ahead. And I, I just, I, I'm continually baffled that Christians can see children being chemically sterilized and do nothing. They're doing double mastectomies on girls as young as 13, and Christians do nothing. I, I find that baffling and unconscionable. Well, uh, supporting Illinois Family Institute, uh, Mauk and Baker, our law firm, uh, the Alliance Defending Freedom, mm -hmm. uh, voting for pro-life, pro-family people, all wonderful things. Lori, thank you for coming today and speaking to us, and I hope a lot of people will uh, Add IFI to their own uh, their mailing list. Uh, get on their mailing list so they can read regularly what you have to write. Um, 
What's the website for IFI? IllinoisFamily.org. Illinois Family, all spelled out. Okay. If you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local attorney who follows Jesus, contact us at Malkin Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243. Let me repeat that. 312-726-1243 or at MalkBaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Visit our website to subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter with legal updates. Thanks for listening. I'm John Malk, partner at Malk and Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. Gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.